Lock and Load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour this Saturday morning here in Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we have a special guest here today. I think this is going to be a very interesting show. It's a young lady who, um, anybody that's been around Georgia Carry or watched me on Facebook or anything has seen her name. It's Liz Lazarus. She's an author of uh, the book Free of Malice. Uh, and it's about an incident that happened uh, very close to where we are right now, across the street from, we're across the street from Georgia Tech. And she was at Georgia Tech at the time as a student. And uh, she went on about her life for a while, couldn't get it out of her mind, and then she decided she was going to write a book about it. And it's been very successful. She's been uh, all over the nation. As a matter of fact, I th- she said she was headed to New York City before long to push the book a little further. I think the book may have gotten a little bit more attention than she actually thought it would when she did it, which is good. It's a great book. I've got a copy. You should get one. So uh, without further ado, welcome, Liz, to the program. Thank you, Jerry. Glad to be here. How are you today? I am doing really well. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Um now, tell people a little bit about who you are. You're a young lady from South Georgia? I grew up in Valdosta. Were you born in Valdosta? I was born in Valdosta. Oh, okay. People tell me I've lost my twang, but I can bring it back. <laughs> <laughs> well, i still got a Texas draw from time to time as well. Uh-huh. And I've been here 40 years, so. So, yeah, then I went to engineering school at Georgia Tech. What which kind is, of engineering? Uh, industrial engineering. That's kind of what I thought. I wasn't sure, but mm-hmm. I knew you were an engineer, but I didn't know exactly what it was. But my guess would have been industrial engineering. Now, why is that? I don't know. I just, that's what I figured. Yeah. I, I knew you went to work for uh, GE after you got out of school. I did. I spent my whole career there. Mm-hmm. They moved me all around the country, geez, all around the world. Um, and this book just kept nagging me to write it. So mm-hmm. after I checked off quite a few bucket list items, um, and it was still there, I yeah. said, you know, it's finally time to sit down and write this book. Yeah, and that was some 20 years after it happened it or was, so? It was, yeah. Because okay. yeah. I, I knew it was a while, and I knew that it bothered you. And I, I, I know uh, from some of our discussions, and I, I probably should let you t- say these, but I know from some of our discussions you said that it was it was something that nagged you the whole time before you wrote the book. And if I'm not mistaken, your family kept trying to tell you to get over it, forget about it, like it never happened. Is, is, did I make that up, or is that? Well, I, I think what happened from, from when I was attacked at Tech, and I was lucky because I didn't fight the guy off, um, mm-hmm. wasn't raped. There was a little bit of the attitude back in the day. You know, you were lu- you were lucky you weren't raped. Get over right. it. But it was more get over the trauma. Um, well, I don't think it, no one discouraged me to write the book. I think, no, that, and yeah. I didn't mean that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. they tried to tell you to just put it aside, nothing happened. You know, it wasn't your fault. Something happened. Forget about it. Move on. It's things that happen to, to people all the time. And you couldn't quite do that final part of, of putting it to bed. And that was really the start of the book because after the attack, you know, I, I wasn't raped, but I still had some of the trauma. I was afraid to sleep by myself and sleep afraid of the dark, um, afraid to wear the same clothes I'd worn that night. So I didn't even know what PTSD was. But I learned later, I had the symptoms, classic symptoms of PTSD. So for mm-hmm. me, journaling about what happened, the the night and the changes to my life, helped me to heal. And that's what became the beginning of the book. So when people say that part's so raw, so visceral, that part wasn't fiction in the book. That part right. was all real. Right. 
Right. Uh, and I, that, I guess we could say that, uh, well, I've said it before on uh, on our Facebook page when I announced it and our, our uh, website when I announced it on there that uh, that it is fiction, but it's based solely on what happened to you personally during your time at Georgia Tech. Right. And it's made you a little bit more of a Second Amendment protege, if I'm not mistaken. Well, it has, you know, and we didn't grow up with guns. My dad had two in the house that I didn't even know about, which I guess can be typical for, for some homes. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't grow up around guns or knowing how to shoot. Uh, but after the attack, I had said to my brother-in-law, who was a volunteer deputy, if I had owned a gun, all I had was a can of mace, um, I would have shot the guy when he was leaving. And he said, lucky you didn't, because the way you described it, he would have been retreating. You would have shot him in the back. Mm-hmm. Uh, that wouldn't have been self-defense. Right. And I was floored. I mean, I didn't know it better, because so, for me, that guy deserved anything I had to give him. Right. And uh, so that's what started my research about where's that law between or that line between self-defense and vigilantism, mm-hmm. which sparked more of my idea to write the book, because I thought, if I don't know this, do other people not know it? Well, uh, and they don't, probably, uh, but I think part of it depends on where he was. If he was in your house, it, it's it's a different story. It, it could very well be self-defense because he doesn't belong in your house. Exactly. If he's left your house and he's outside retreating, then that's a different story. And that was, uh, that was kind of the gray area, right? Because I think by the time I could have gotten to any kind of weapon or firearm, uh, he would have already been outside the house retreating. Mm-hmm. And I still, at that time, would have had I owned a gun, shot him. Because to me, my, your mind doesn't just all of a sudden go from attack, I'm being attacked, to right. now I'm the aggressor. Your, right. your brain doesn't flip that fast. Right. Um, so that's why it was really an interesting experience for me to hear, learn about the cooling off period and to learn that the, the smartest thing I could have done was probably shut the door, call the police. But um, but my character in the book doesn't. Um, so she she wants to write a hypothetical legal case of what would have happened had she mm-hmm. shot the guy. Yeah, and uh, and in my opinion, he would have deserved it. You know, my I, I'm still of the old school that that if you don't belong somewhere, don't go there. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell people all the time, or I say it to people. Uh, anybody that comes to my house two o'clock in the morning, obviously didn't have an invitation. Right. And so don't come to my house without an invitation because things won't happen. Mm-hmm. Things won't end up real well, for, probably for either one of us. But uh, that kind of stuff is, is, is just ridiculous. I, I was uh, I was raised in Texas. And in Texas, um, there's trespassing laws were at least used to be pretty stiff. I'm not sure what they are now because I've been away for 40 years or so. But I know when I was a kid, I was always told if old man Jones said, if you come back on my property, I'm going to shoot you. There's a good chance he was going to shoot you if you came back on your property. So the thing you did was you listened to him, and you didn't go back. Mm-hmm. And that's how people used to handle things. Now it's, it, you know, we got to handle it through the courts, and the courts are so, many of the courts are so liberal that, that you know, the the victim all of a sudden becomes the uh, the one that, that, was, uh, that gets punished for it instead of the aggressor. It's not right. Well, and I worked with three different criminal defense lawyers to understand what the laws were. And though I thought if I'd shot this guy in the back when he was retreating, I would call the police. They would cart him off, and I'd be the hero. All three of the the lawyers said, no, you, you would have been taken in, questioned, mm-hmm. likely not given bond, and then waited years in jail for your trial. And, the, I mean, the more I learned about the whole experience, it felt exactly like that, that four in the morning, this guy breaks in through the kitchen window, not invited, um, yet I would have been the one whose life was turned upside down. Right. Because of, of because of the fact that he was retreating when you 
would have shot at him. Right. Now, if you had caught him coming through the window, that would have been a different story. Yeah. Well, people joke, right? I come back in. I come back in. Well, that's what they used to say before they changed the standard ground laws. That's mm-hmm. what they used to say. If you shoot somebody, make sure you drag them back in the house. Right. And uh, uh, I, it's, it's just, uh, you know, I can't imagine what you went through or have gone through. Uh, and I think it's... Uh, I think it's very admirable that you put this in writing so that other young women, and even older women, can see what can happen and understand a little bit about, you know, the time to be prepared for an attack is not when it's happening. Agreed. It's before it happened. Well, yes, it's happened again. You know, it's which gun do I go for? Right. Um, and, you know, I, that's what changed me a little bit. And that was the, the other thing. It was just a blessing in disguise is afterward I... Got a gun, learned to shoot, joined the well-armed women, and became proficient. So, um, yeah, that's, if that happens again, I'm prepared. So that, now they're not messing with a young girl in college that doesn't know what's going on. Yeah, well, you know, people ask, what would you have done differently? We should have had an alarm. I mean, there were plenty of other things we could have done, too. And we knew it wasn't a safe area of town. Yeah. We should have had an alarm. I probably should have had a firearm. I have all that now. But this was 20 years ago. This was back in the 90s, 96, yeah. mm-hmm. 97, somewhere uh, Early there. 90s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but we didn't look at things in that light back in that time. You know, 20 years ago, we weren't as big on, on burglar alarms and things. And we didn't have to be. True. It was a, It was a different world. It was a different society. Now, all of a sudden, we have to be aware of that because... We don't know who we're going to run into. We don't know what's going to happen where people are, are hopped up on dope. They're, so many of them are just out of their minds. They, we have raised a, 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 a society of, of, I say children. They're not, not children anywhere from, you know, 25, 30 on up or down, uh, who really have no regard for, for your personal items or your, uh, life. They, or their life. They just don't care. It, mm-hmm. it, doesn't matter. I see something I want, I'm going to go after it, and to heck with everything else. You know, it was funny. I was talking to a friend the other day, and we were talking about the video games, which I'm trying to segue, but um, there's so many violent video games, and I, I'm always surprised when people go after the guns instead of the things that I think are worse as far as training people to be violent. Well, you got to understand, gun control is not about guns. It's about control. Mm-hmm. Because if the gov- that's the only reason we have it, is to protect us from an overbearing government. And... If if the uh, antis can disarm us, then they can do whatever they want to to us. True, and that's that's why that's why we fight the fight we fight at GeorgiaCarry.org every day because we can see what's happening. We're coming up to a break here. We're going to have to take a short pause for the cause, and I uh, want to remind you to go to GeorgiaCarry.org, our website. Uh, we have everything that you ever want to know about Georgia Carry on it. Uh, there are contacts there if you have any conf- any uh, information you'd like to have. Give me a call. We'll figure out what to do. You can follow us at uh, at Georgia Carey on Twitter. I'm at GotYourBack64. You can uh, download the free pod- commercial-free podcast at 1160NewsTalk or NewsTalk1160.com. I'll get right in a minute. And we will be right back. And now, back. To GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour with Liz, Liz, Liz Lazarus. I get it in a minute. I get that in a minute too. I get everything in a minute there if I have enough minutes. 
Liz Lazarus, the, uh, I guess now nationally known author of Free of Malice. We were discussing a little bit about uh, what happened to her and, and the book, etc. And uh, when we started off, we started talking about you, and we kind of skipped through about... Uh, 20 years. <laughs> uh, at least 20 years. It's okay. Uh, I, my fans can think I'm younger. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I mean, you grew up in, in Valdosta. Mm-hmm. Went to school there, or high school, I guess, et cetera. And then you decided to go to Georgia Tech. Why Georgia Tech? Well, you know, it was interesting. I was always good in math and English. I mm-hmm. scored the same on the SAT. So it was either a journalism degree at Georgia or engineering degree at Tech, which is pretty divergent. Mm-hmm. And my father said, go do the harder thing. You know, you can always write later. And look and what he happened. Was right. He was right. <laughs> he yeah. was right. You did. So you spent four years up here? Uh, four years here, and then I, um, back then we had lots of job offers coming out of school, and I, I picked to work at General Electric. Um, they had a rotating training program, so for the first two years I was in Daytona Beach and then Erie, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then I joined the medical division and spent the rest of my career at what's now called GE Healthcare. Oh, okay. So part of it was back office, every back office job you can imagine, manufacturing, Six Sigma, logistics. And then the second half of my career I was in the field running our cardiology service team. Oh, and then I joke, you know, 20 years at GE is like 40 years anywhere else. <laughs> so I took a, I took that's, a leave of absence. That's, that's and probably not the only place that are that Probably way. anywhere in corporate America. So you're still, you're still with them on leave of absence? No, I, t- right. I took a leave of absence. Okay. I wrote the book, um, which was, you know, a nice way to segue. And then um, now I consult part-time. But the book has me so busy on the, right. book, the book tour. And I'm actually now, to my own surprise, writing my second one. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Mm-hmm. I already knew that. Yeah, well, we, oh, we should talk about the character. You gave me some great advice. <laughs> well, we we did uh, we did discuss that she's got another book coming out, and uh, what is it going to be about? Is it more of a follow up, or is it totally different, or what? Uh... It's new characters. I was, mm-hmm. I was a little tired of Thomas and Laura, so I went on to new characters. So it's about a paralegal who, um, ten years out of high out of college, is contacted by her friend from from high school, and he's accused of killing a girl. He takes a plea deal to avoid the death penalty and he reaches out to her from prison to help prove he is innocent Hmm. so it's told from her viewpoint and then it's told from the viewpoint of me and you don't know if that's him or somebody else Hmm. okay and through the through about the book and it's what i've done myself um the character jackie who's the paralegal she takes um, a rad class which is self-defense course and she learns to carry so she goes through the process of getting her carry permit choosing her carry firearm um Picking her holster, mm-hmm. getting her training, everything I'm actually doing myself, I'm putting Jackie through. So it's it's a double win because yeah. I get the education and I get to write about it. Well, I know uh, you mentioned uh, picking her holster. Mm-hmm. I think that's one of the biggest questions that I hear women talking about right now is is what kind of holster can I wear? Because you know I openly carry ninety nine percent of the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only reason I'm not openly carrying today is because my shirt's untucked. Mm-hmm. But um, Women, uh, a lot of women don't like to open carry, and depending on the clothing that you're wearing, it doesn't look right on you. It, it was a bigger you know? challenge than I expected. Yeah. We went over, my instructor, I'll shout out to Krista Forrester, we, we went over to Stoddard's and tried on a bunch of holsters, and a lot of them printed, even the ones, you know, inside the band mm-hmm. printed. Um, I found one that's more, this, not the appendix or the kidney, but more direct center mm-hmm. holster, and I liked that one the best, uh, so that was probably what I'll go for, and mm-hmm. I've already chosen my, my carry firearm, a mm-hmm. SIG. Uh, but yeah, it was a bigger challenge than I expected because a lot of them printed, but I, I tend to wear tighter clothes. 
And I also put in the next book the, the debate between carrying in a purse versus your body. Right. Um, because that's a big debate for women, too, is do you use a bag or not? It's not for me. but <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> well, I, I would never carry in a, in a purse. Because somebody steals your purse, not only they have your wallet, your information, they have your gun as well. Well, what I learned, it's, it's harder to draw from. So you have mm-hmm. to actually have to be more proficient. Right. And you have to have really good purse etiquette. You can't leave it in the shopping cart. You right. can't even how I've got it right now, strapped right. it on the back of my chair. Right. You really have to treat it like a holster. So um, I, I speak to that in the book. But I think there are times when you have no other choice if you want to carry based sure. on what you're wearing. So for me, I think women should get one, at least one on the body um, holster and, and one purse and be proficient with both and then go from there. Yeah, I had a, a reason that I, I – one of the reasons I said that was uh, this past week uh, I uh, acquired a new customer. And one of the things that we talked about, anytime I go out to a new customer, I, I make sure that they understand I'm not just a horseshoer. I'm also uh, with georgiacarry.org. Mm-hmm. And um, but for a couple of reasons. Number one – not too many people with horses don't like firearms, but every once in a while there is one. And if they're really strongly against it, I want them to know that so that uh, they don't get upset for me carrying them in their place. Because sure. I'm going to be carrying when I get there and I'll be carrying when I leave. I take it off when, I, when I'm working on a horse because it's just not comfortable. But uh, one of the things that she brought up, this lady brought up, was she was having trouble finding a holster. Didn't know what to get, and I, I told her. Matter of fact, I told her about the well-armed women, but uh, it is a problem for an awful lot of women. And in doing so, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, at our convention in a couple more weeks, you will be emceeing the women's fashion concealed carry show. True. Yeah. It's that we have August the fifth. Coming August up the at the Waverly, up. right? So, yeah, we're going to have, and we had it last year, we're going to have a fashion show with clothes that women can use for concealed carry. Mm-hmm. And you bring up an interesting point about concealed. I prefer concealed just because I want that element of surprise. Mm-hmm. And also, I don't want to cause a ruckus if someone is concerned about me having a gun. So, they, they don't be. they don't need to know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's more really for the element of surprise that yeah. uh, I wouldn't well, uh, and I don't disagree with that. We could debate this all day long. <laughs> See, I, I, in my opinion, I do away with the element of surprise because when somebody sees I'm armed, they're going to wait till I leave before they do anything. Mm, that's a fair point. If I've got it hidden, they don't know whether I'm armed or not. Uh, and um, uh, <laughs> one of the main reasons I, I don't conceal, as you said something a while ago about you wear tight clothes. Well, I do too. I didn't, didn't intend for it to be that way, but they get tighter every day, seems like. And, and I, it's hard for me to put anything else in, inside my, my uh, pants. I mm-hmm. just don't, I'm just not comfortable with it. There are times when I have to. And, uh, in fact, most of the time when I have to, I carry a little nine millimeter in my pocket, in my front pocket. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and there are a couple of places that I go to that I can't carry openly. Uh, and Sonic Lodge doesn't like it for one thing, so uh, I have to put it in my pocket and go on. I'm not going any place uh, where it is not against the law for me to carry that I'm not carrying. Right. It's just not going to happen. If it's against the law, I won't carry. Some people say, well, I, I, if you carry conceal, everything's okay. Well, it's, it's, it is true, except for the fact that uh, if you get caught carrying someplace where you're not supposed to be, you'll get it. You know, you'll get arrested or you'll get written up, etc. I'll make the six o'clock news and the, the headline over the fold on the Sunday morning paper. So I don't do those things because I can't afford to. 
not that I would break the law, but I can't do it because of the fact that if I get caught doing something, it reflects on all of our members, and it reflects on everybody that carries a firearm in Georgia that that we have no respect for the law, and I won't do that. I won't put myself or the, the members of Georgia Carry or anybody else that carries a gun in that kind of position. Well, and I found the people who carry tend to be the most responsible people oh, they I are. know. So they're, they're not, there's yeah. not two ways about that. Mm-hmm. That is is a fact, and you don't see uh, you don't see us going around. The people that are sitting down there at the Capitol fighting for our gun rights are not the people that are going out here committing the crimes and shooting people, etc. Those those people, they don't care what the law is anyway. They don't have to. Most of them are felons anyway. Couldn't have a firearm if they wanted them, so they don't really care. What's their problem? That's always been the interesting dichotomy of the whole argument, which is law-abiding people are going to follow the law. Criminals are criminals. So if you try to put any enforcement controls, the people who are law-abiding will be the ones that are punished. Well, the the laws are uh, written for law-abiding people. They're not written for criminals. Exactly. Because it's it's just like locks. Locks are only for law-abiding citizens. I mean, your, your window is locked and... What good did it do? The guy broke in it. Yeah. The law-abiding citizen wouldn't have. I agree. Uh, so, you know, it's just it's one of those things. It's uh, But trying to get some of the uh, some of the antis and, and uh, Bloomberg's money to to realize that or to at least admit that they will. They will realize it, but they don't admit that that's the case. Mm-hmm. And instead, they're again, they're after control and not after guns well and i found when i just bought my sig which is my my carry weapon mm-hmm. now it's a sig p938 and it was very thorough the the background check that was done so you know oh, yeah. i was well I've got, that's I've got no problem with how things are how guns are sold legally and, and that's the other thing you know mm-hmm. it, I, I was reading an article about one of the uh, mothers of a, a girl that was shot at the aurora theater a couple of years well whatever it was five oh. years ago or so ten years ago six years ago um and uh, she was saying they need more background checks. Well, if you look at all the the shooters, the active shooters that have gone on, the mass shooters in the last uh, several months, those guys all passed background checks. Mm-hmm. So a lot of good that did. Coming up to another break here, uh, and I uh, want to remind you once again, go to georgiacarry.org, our website. Uh, you can join. You can uh, renew. You can download the commercial-free podcast at Newstalk1160.com. You can follow Georgia Carey at Georgia Carey on Twitter. And I'm at Got Your Back on Twitter. And we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarey.org radio with GeorgiaCarey.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Uh, Jerry Henry with Liz Lazarus. Got it right that time? You did. I don't know why I got it wrong the last time. I've only known you for a little over a year. It's a tongue twister, uh, huh? Liz Lazarus. Uh, yeah. Did we uh, Did we tell everybody that, that we met just about a year ago? We did. You were a, a speaker at one of my well-armed women. Right. I'm a member of the Buckhead chapter. Right. And you came and were telling us fascinatingly about different gun laws. Right. We were... Um, Cheryl Lebet yes. had asked me to come over. I've known her for, I don't know, two or three years. I met her at an event when we were speaking. And uh, I really like her. She's a nice lady. And she asked me to come over, and I said, of course, I would. Because 
you know me, I don't go, <laughs> I don't turn down any <laughs> any opportunity to say something about George Carey or, or what the gun laws are. And uh, then the next week, that was the week before our last convention, if I remember correctly. It was. And the next week you showed up at the convention and I thought, that woman looks familiar. I was teasing I you. You thought I was stalking you. This lady keeps showing up around me. <laughs> no, I, I I didn't realize at the time. I had uh, Bruce Greenfield, I believe, had told me about you because I think you went and talked to one of our chapters out in, in Gwinnett County. That's true, yes. And he told me something about you, I think it was a month or so before, maybe not quite. I, I don't know what the timing of that was, but I know that he had mentioned you that you had written a book and and that you were planning on coming to convention. But I didn't realize the Sunday before the convention that that was you that was asking some of the questions in the crowd. Mm-hmm. And then when we get to the to the convention, I find out who you were and got a, got a copy of your book. Yeah, you know, and the other person who was very involved was Cindy and Mike Wheeler, who mm-hmm. moved to Tennessee. Right. But they were a big catalyst in me coming to the convention and mm-hmm. having a, a booth and putting my book out. And in yeah. fact, I named in my next book, one of the prisons, Wheeler Prison. Oh, yeah. After them. <laughs> and then I come to find out there is a real Wheeler <laughs> Prison. <laughs> so I'm like, well, how ironic is that? Well, you can call it the Mike Wheeler Prison. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> uh, I, I miss them. I, Mike used to, Mike used to call me, uh, he'd probably call me six or eight times during the legislative session. Mm-hmm. I want to talk about, we need to do this. Well, I'm going down to Capitol Day. Who do I need to see? And that sort of stuff. And I just, they're just a, a great couple. I hated to see them leave, but, they're both still life members of Georgia Carey, and uh, they'll be around from time to time. I think it's it's. I understand why they left. I, I don't blame them. Uh, you know, it's always time to, or there's always a good time to to make a change in your life, and that just happened to be theirs, just like yours was when you wrote the book. Yeah, I didn't, and I had no expectation. I joke, you don't know if your baby's ugly, right? You write right. it, you edit it, <laughs> you put it out there. You hope you hope you'll get some good reviews. Yeah. I had I had one review where the guy said I, I stayed up all night reading it. You know, so entertaining. Mm-hmm. I uh, was going to give you five stars, but I deducted half a star because you said clip instead of magazine. Uh. <laughs> and I'm like, seriously, really? Um, but most of the reviews have been really, really good. And for the next one, I'm going to have so many proofreaders well, that, uh, uh, that will make sure I don't make that mistake again. Unfortunately, I do the same thing every once in a while. I don't intend to, but I, I was listening to one of the uh, shows here a while back, and I happened to say a clip. And I thought, boy, that's going to go over real good. Mm-hmm. But... Um, those things happen. It, it, I think it's funny how uh, how you go through life from time to time, and you start off as a youngster, and this is what you want to do, and everything's great and wonderful, and you get into it, and you say, "Why am I doing this?" You know, twenty years later, you say, "Why am I doing this? I'm not really enjoying this." Uh, and and for the most part, I feel like the first twenty years or so of your working career is is uh, it's just kind of a, a primer. You know, it's something you have to do because you need you need uh, finances. You need to get your life started. If you have a family, you know you're going to need need a place to live. You're going to need uh, food and clothing for the for the wife and kids and and everything. And but there comes a time when you say, "I'm just not enjoying this. Life's not fun anymore." That's so true. No, and nobody tells you that when you're That's really right. young, right? You have to go through the experience. And look, I didn't even leave GE by quitting. I took a leave of absence right. because I, I was afraid the world stopped, start, stopped turning right. the minute I left. And then lo and behold, it didn't. Yeah. And uh, I never dreamed I'd then become a, an author with a second book and a third one in my mind. Um, 
but I'm having a blast. And I'm getting all the right little signs, like like the Wheeler Prison, yeah. that tell me I'm on the right path. Yeah. The um, One of the reasons I brought that up was when I was about 47 or so, um, 47, 48, I was a traveling salesman. And uh, I I just got to where I, I came home one day and my my daughter, who was 11 years old, that used to be my little girl, all of a sudden is looking me in the eye. And it's like, what happened to my ge- what happened to my baby girl? Mm-hmm. Well, she grew, she grew up. up, and so uh, I got off the road, took a big cut in pay, and and uh, that's when I really started shoeing horses. And I, I worked at several other jobs. I was project manager, a few other things, you know. But uh, it still wound down to where that's all I'm doing now, basically, other than working with Georgia Carey and a, a nonprofit we have for um, therapeutic riding, but. I'm happier now than I've been in ages. But it wasn't, you know, and the other thing was I never, I certainly never started off to be the executive director of georgiacarry.org. All of a sudden they needed somebody and I just happened to be standing there and they said, you are, you're it. And you're doing a good and job. So, well, thank <laughs> you. But, but uh, and it's something that had I thought about, uh, I might have considered, but I just never thought about it. And it, it I did, I guess I'm saying that it, it kind of like you've done if you let life lead you then you can have fun if you try to lead it yourself you, you're just not going to know what to do well, i know. think there's that evolution of like you said needing the financial security wanting a career winning a position mm-hmm. right wanting that prestige and then as you get older at least for me you realize that the more important things are your time your health mm-hmm. and and being happy in what you do yeah, well you haven't gotten older yet well <laughs> <laughs> I can tell you about that sometimes. Okay. <laughs> My knees creaked when I sat down. <laughs> I, can, I can tell you about World War II if you want me to. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's funny how those things happen. And, and obviously it happened with you. And uh, now you're on a successful second career, which most of the time when when that decision is finally made, and, and I know with me it was a long time coming, and I, I just kind of had to push myself in a corner to get it done. Mm-hmm. But once you make that decision, it may be a little rough for a while, but then it it all winds up being so much better than what it started out to be or is, what you thought it was going to be. That is so true. I look back and say, why why was I so fearful? You know, why was I so fearful to take that step? And uh, But, you know, also I think things find their right timing because I really thought this book, the first one, Free of Malice, would have no purpose anymore. I'd waited so long to write it. And, I mean, it's got – race it's got gun safety it's got criminal defense it's it's got everything that's popular today right and i've got a better means to to market it and spend time on it and i think it came you know it came at the right time well i think that i think the timing is is much better now uh than what it was because for a couple of reasons number one you know uh the first of this month campus carry became available to us in a lot of places, and there's still a lot of places that are off limits, but we can carry on campus now. And a lot of things that used to happen on campus are not going to happen on campus as much anymore. Yeah, I'm very if they do happen. I'm very pleased that, that and you well, know, I appreciate Georgia Carey and all the lobbying and hard work that was done to, to make that happen. The uh, one of the things that I said said about it is now uh, with the passage of, of and the, well, with signing into law of HB 280. A guy can't sit over here and look at Georgia Tech over across the street and say, there's my victim. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Because if they do, they may pick the wrong one. Now, they're, now they've are now they got a, an option that they, they, hadn't, they didn't have to weigh before, but now they do. 
So uh, that and plus the other thing, there's there's one thing that women told me all the time back when we were trying to get this done back years ago. An awful lot of women, when they get to be 37, 38, 39, their kids leave. So they're still young enough. They go back to college to get a nursing degree or something along those lines. And mostly when they do that, they go at night. And some of these parking lights at night, when you're walking out through there at 11 o'clock at night, they're not the best lit places. And there's a lot of bushes and stuff and cars for people to hide behind. And they have absolutely no, or they had absolutely no security. Mm -hmm. Now they do. And the other thing is, if you look at at a lot of the the things that were happening, Georgia uh, Georgia State, it's in the library. Now, if you leave the library over here at midnight, guess what? You're not necessarily unarmed, which before you had to be. So it's a, it's a, a, at least from that standpoint, there's another factor that somebody has to, that the bad guy has to figure into before he decides he's going to attack somebody. And, uh, and, if that's the case as well, then maybe it's going to extend off campus like you were because of the fact that now you can carry from campus to campus. Well, I, I mean, for, to your housing. There's there's no law that should force someone to be a sitting duck. That's correct. And that, that was my support of the bill was that you know, that should never be the case. If a that's woman correct. is over 21 and has passed all the the permits that she needs, then why should there that's be any correct. space that's or limited? He. Or, or he. he. True. Yeah, well, either. I'm saying she because <laughs> <laughs> I'm I she. Know I know. You're, <laughs> you're getting into that sexist part. I understand. <laughs> no, I, I, I agree with you. We're coming up to the end of our third segment here, and time's passing uh, rather fast right now. But uh, I'm having fun, and I believe Liz is having fun. Hope you all are enjoying it as well. I want to remind you to go to georgiacarry.org, our website. Uh, check us out. You can download the free podcast at Newstalk1160.com. You can follow Georgia Carey at Georgia Carey on Twitter. And I'm at GotYourBack64. And we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarey.org radio with GeorgiaCarey.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour. Our final segment here with Liz Lazarus, and we were talking during the break and, and decided that we would try to bring some of this on the air. Uh, your next book, you said you were telling women things to uh, to protect themselves, to warn them, that something that they might not be thinking about. You gave an example of a woman getting off the interstate or a girl getting off the interstate. Yeah, we were talking about traffic, and so in my next book, and I, I try, to try always to make it entertaining and educational, but this is one thing I had learned in RAD class, and, and you hear it too, is if a car comes up behind you, which you think is a police car with one strobe light, um, that you don't have to stop right away if you're suspicious. You can call 911 and ask if there are you know, policemen in the vicinity. You can go to a well-lit area. So I have that happen to my character, Jackie, because we, we had talked about it in my self-defense class, mm-hmm. um, because... If it's a police car, a real one, or a sheriff's car, it's going to have, as I write in my book, a circus of lights, not mm-hmm. just one. Well, nowadays especially. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I have quite a few examples that show women in, through the book um, things to, to be careful about for their own self-protection while, mm-hmm. while they're getting entertained through the story. Yeah. Well, a lot of, a lot of times – I know my wife's, my wife's never had a whole lot to happen to her. She's never been in a lot of those situations. And um, she depends on me for self-defense. Uh, 
and of course I'm not always there. Uh, depending on where she's going, if she was in a, on the interstate somewhere, I can assure you that I'd be there because she's not going to go. She just doesn't like to go on the interstates. But uh, there's a lot of people who uh, their life has been, from that standpoint, sheltered, and that they've never had to worry about that. They've never given any thought that it wouldn't be a policeman. They say a blue light. That's a policeman. That's a good guy. He's one of us. That's not always the case. Not only with police, but with anything else. And People, not just women, but people have to stop and think about these things uh, and understand that that danger is all around us. I mean, we're not threatened. We're not threatened bodily most of the time, but we're not that far from danger most of the time. Yeah, and you know, the other thing about the bad guy in my book is very IT savvy. So I had a lot of fun doing research. Um, and the, the girl who's unfortunately you know, killed in the book, she gives him her phone, and he puts spyware on her phone. And so mm-hmm. I researched how to do that, and it's not hard to do. No. Um, so it's also the cautionary tale on that. You know, don't don't get don't, don't go to a bar by yourself. Right. Don't get drunk. Right. Um, you know, have have a wing person with you. Don't right. give your phone to someone you don't know. So um, I show quite a bit of that things that you know, yeah. what, bad, what, bad for Catherine in the book, but good for readers to to see sure, things not to do. Sure. Yeah, it's a, it's a good it's a good guide of, of a lot of things not to do because, and like I said, a lot of people wouldn't think of these. And a few years ago, I wouldn't think of one of the things I thought about when you were talking about protecting yourself at the bar or you know not going to the bar by yourself, etc. Don't get drunk. If if you turn around and go dance on the dance floor and you leave your drink unattended, you're a target. Absolutely. If there's not somebody there watching that drink that you can trust. You're a target nowadays. Yeah, and I say if you leave your drink alone, it's gone. Just yeah, forget just about forget it. Forget about get, it and get go an, buy another get one. Get another one. I saw one thing like nail polish that you can put in a drink, and it tells you if it's been if there's a roofie in it or something. I thought, okay, <laughs> just just leave the drink. Right. <laughs> you know? so, so who wants to ruin a good drink with nail polish? But, uh, but it, there's like I said, there's so many things that that. And that one I just happened to think about. Don't leave your drink alone. Yeah, I, I know a young lady that used to live across the street from us that uh, I think she was in Florida, and she got uh, she got date dru- uh, date rape drugged, whatever uh, you know, put in her drink. And, mm-hmm. and uh, as far as we know, uh, nothing really happened to her, but it was close to happening. Well, you know, and I'm and, not saying that it's a woman's fault if she gets drugged or raped if she's drunk, but also. Keep your wits about you. Sure. So, you know, I, I always say you shouldn't get out of control drunk because you're vulnerable. That's so my, I'm all about make sure you're not vulnerable. Well, everybody should, everybody should follow that. If everybody's following the uh, proper guideline, they're going to be, uh, they're going to have at least one duty driver who's not going to be drunk mm-hmm. and they will take care of them. And sticks with them. You know, that's correct. I have the, the girl's friend leaves her, right? So she's at the, drunk, uh, she's at the bar and she's drunk and her friend leaves her. So mm-hmm. it's that kind of buddy system you want too. Yeah. Yeah. You got to be careful about a lot of those things. Um, so the best thing is just don't go drinking. <laughs> well, I don't know about that. You're just full <laughs> of our fun. <laughs> well, we, we if we if we took that to count, we wouldn't be able to close down the bar at the convention. I know. Convention I'm looking forward to Georgia Carey, the after party. <laughs> yeah, we've we've been uh, we had a good time last year. Uh, you were there, I was there. Mark Walters from Armed America Radio was there. And do you know A W R Hawkins was there. I've named a character Detective Walters oh, have you? in the next book. <laughs> now every name in the next book is after somebody I know uh, and, and like. And uh, the Wheelers were there and. A uh, few other people. I'm not sure who all was there, but I know we had a. We normally there's a pretty good sized table in there, and we normally cover that up and, and pull up chairs from from everywhere else and and just uh, partake of uh, 
particular libations and have fun. Mm-hmm. And uh, and speaking of naming characters, we we now have I think a Jerry Bob, yeah. a Jerry Bob in the next book. <laughs> That's fine. He's the uh, he's the partner in the law firm. That's the one that you're going to call Jerry Rubin until you find out who Jerry Rubin was. I know. I sent this over to Jerry and say, "What? Do, and Rubin's from a friend who has a law firm. I need the lawyer, the head of the law firm." So I said, "I'll take Jerry from Jerry Henry and Bob from Bob, uh, Rubin from Bob Rubin until he tells me who <laughs> Jerry." Well, actually, when you when you got back, I went back and studied him, researched him a little bit more. The only thing I remembered from him was when he was extremely radical, and he was uh, he was part of the Chicago Eight, and that was a circus of a trial. They uh, they gagged and handcuffed uh, Stokey Carmichael, I believe it was, or one of the guys, one of the Black Panthers. I'm not sure. I think Stokey Carmichael was an entertainer, but one of the Black Panthers. Uh, they um, they gagged and bound him during the trial. Jeez. And it was it was a real circus. But I, I uh, as I read later. Uh, he died a multimillionaire. He was a, an investor. Uh, he was one of the investors in uh, Apple computers. Early investor. So well, uh, he turned out all right. But and he was. I mean, he didn't do really do anything other than just raise a whole lot of cane as he was growing up, and and he was against the establishment, and did what he could do to to do that. And then he realized that that it was a whole lot better uh, to protest financially than it was to to go out in the streets and scream and shout. Well, well, we'll get a Jerry or a Henry or something of the combination in there. But we'll just make sure it doesn't reference anybody we don't intend. Well, the middle name's Wayne, so you can do whatever you want to do with that one. Oh, maybe we'll do Jerry Wayne. Okay. <laughs> but uh, uh, at any rate, we we do have fun. We uh, and anybody sitting out there listening to us, we still got tickets available for the convention. It's August fourth and fifth, and uh, I can assure you that we have fun. And the the good thing about the convention is not. We don't go around just um, – we don't try to get into a big hurry to rush people to do a lot of things. We try to give you information on various things. Uh, my guest next week will be giving a, a presentation on um, – his name's Brian Hill. He's the, with the Complete Combatant. Mm-hmm. Brian and Sherry, you know them well. Yes, mm-hmm. and he's going to be giving one of the, the uh, lectures down there, uh, and he will be my guest next week. And we try to bring different things. Like last year, we had the Marietta Police Department with their active shooter program, which was well-received. And we try to give people uh, different options on different things to tell you what's available. And and then uh, we have uh, our meet the board in the afternoon when all the board members and myself go up on the podium and dodge bullet, (laughs) (laughs) answer questions. And uh, uh, anybody's welcome to that. By the way, the... uh, the fashion show that we talked about that you're going to be emceeing, uh, that is open to the public whether you're, you've got a ticket to the convention or not. So it's free to the public. Come out, look if you, you know, if you're listening to the program and you want to know what the latest, uh, what the latest, latest, uh, fashion is for concealed carry, then come out and watch. I think this is our third year now with the fashion show. So that, that'll be fun. We've got lots of models, a lot of them from different well armed women chapters. Good. And, uh, and clothes from from different sponsors, so it'll be mm-hmm. a, good, a good time. You know, the, the well-armed woman, um, I don't know whether you know it or not, but when the, when the well-armed woman first came to Georgia, uh, one of the first ones was in Coyote County and in Noonan. Uh, one of them was, uh, where was the other one? I can't remember where the other one was. One was, uh, one was up in Atlanta. No, it wasn't Douglasville. Uh, at any rate, there were, there were three of them at the time. And the one in Noonan called me 
And I, when she told me who she was and what they were doing, I thought that's great. And uh, for a while, and I know Noonan still has some of the chapters, and I believe I believe uh, I believe uh, Cheryl has a liaison from Georgia Carey to help them with the laws, etc. Any kind of questions they have, they go to them to, to answer. We we jump behind the well armed women quite rapidly when they came here. Well, and you know we're, we have the state shoot coming up October twenty first, I think. Um, I can give you details on that. So all the different chapters will be coming together. Good. And in fact, I'm going to raffle away naming the detective in my next book. Um, and proceeds will go to the, the Georgia chapters of the Well-Earned Women. Oh, good. So if you're interested in naming somebody, <laughs> if you're not already a Jerry, Wayne, or a Henry, you can <laughs> you can pick, one, pick a name for yourself. Yeah. Okay. We'll let that one go. Uh, we're coming up to the end of this program. It's been a very... Uh, fun time. It's gone by real quick, as usual. I'd like to thank you for being here, Liz. And I always enjoy talking to you, being around you. It, it's just a lot of fun to be here. And uh, when I um, I decided that with the convention coming up, this would be a real good time to have you. So we're going to have to, uh, and I thank you for being here. My pleasure. Um, we're going to have to, we're going to have to go again. But we'll be back next week with. Uh, Brian Hill. In the meantime, go to georgiacarry.org. Look us up. See what we've done. If you're not a member, become a member. You can download the free podcast at newstalk1160.com. You can follow us on Twitter at georgiacarry. I'm at gotyourback64, and we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.